0: This is Peter.
1: And this is Tom.
0: And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, what do we got?
1: Well, today we're going to look at something that um, you even said, oh, I don't know how this doesn't get as much attention as, as it does. And with all the, um, I don't want to say nuclear tension, but with some of the tensions or some of the, uh, what you're hearing about what's going on in Ukraine and that people are worried about what Putin might do, we're going to talk about a time in history where um, the world almost could have gone to nuclear war, but didn't. And most people didn't even know how close we were. And we're going to talk about the uh, Able Archer 83 exercise, which took place in November of 1983. It was uh, basically a war exercise that but almost led the Soviet Union to think it was a real Nuclear attack getting planned by NATO, and they would get, They were preparing to pre pre strike our our first strike, basically. Yeah, like very close. Uh, very again, close. Penn... no, like yeah, bombers were ready to go. Like that's it. No, they
0: already had bombs loaded
1: on planes. Yeah, like, load on, on the planes. They were ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm reading a book about it right now. It is just it's shocking. First of all, I think a lot of this more, the more this is going to come out considering the fact that you know the most of the files about this were only declassified in 2015 with the remainder of the classifications coming out in 2021. So this is still, you know, even though this happened so long ago, they just formally declassified the rest of the documents, you know, really in the past 6 years that we come to find out how close the world got to complete clear Armageddon. And, and we always, you know, when we, we teach this, you and I, we always get into Cuban Missile Crisis and what a big deal Cuban Missile Crisis was, which it was, you know, we're not going to deny that. But this was 1980s nuclear technology versus 19 early 60s technology as a different animal altogether. And this really, as we will mention in a little bit, the context to this, the, you know, the history surrounding it and Really, the feelings that Soviet Union had towards the United States at the time and United States towards Soviet Union, really, this atmosphere made it almost blow up. I mean, we, we would not be here right now.
1: It was probably like the closest since the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's what a lot of people argue. There are some um, historians I can say, now it wasn't that as big as people thought there were going to be safe places, you know safeguards put in place there was a hotline and stuff like that that was put in place after the Cuban Missile Crisis but it wasn't just Able Archer 83 itself that led to this near nuclear war nuclear accident there was a lot of other factors kind of like that led to it I think yeah. that's where we should start so a lot of that starts they a lot of the articles I read, they said is they start almost like two years earlier in May of 81 dealing with something known as Operation Ryan I'm sure yes. you saw this a little bit, right? And it was basically more or less that the Soviet Union, a lot of these general secretaries in the Soviet Union, KGB, um, chairmen, they just, they believed from their espionage for, that the United States was preparing a secret nuclear attack on the USSR. A lot of this paranoia. So they're already going into this with this mindset. And a lot of this all was brought about because of Ronald Reagan. Reagan is an mm-hmm. elected president. And they're just worried about Reagan. That They're basically saying, listen, Reagan is unpredictable and that he could push the nuclear button at any moment. And that's really how they saw Reagan and the Soviets. And again, a lot of this is declassified. We didn't know this going into this, but the Soviet Union was afraid of the United States, just as there were Americans afraid of the Soviet Union at the time too. Like, when, are they just going to push the button and just like go for it? Even though it's not that simple and it's not just a push button and everything's over. you had a lot of these um, intelligence officers that are saying, listen, this is, it's going to happen. And a big thing with this is because I was reading a couple of articles about this. Is they, they all they all talked about it, is that the Soviet leadership was still reeling from World War II when, when they had didn't suspect the Nazi invasion, yep. like the 41. Nazi tournament out of nowhere. So they were still like saying they would they had this paranoia even about that, that at any moment, you know, their enemy is just going to attack and we have to be ready. We have to strike first. That's yep. really what was going on this time.
0: Also, the only thing you bring up about, you know, we're talking about Brezhnev and Andropov. Um, who eventually takes over for Brezhnev when he dies? You know the guys that are in charge uh, in Soviet Union are old World War II vets. Like these people fought in World War II. Yeah. Uh, they were well, not directly. I mean, they were already in higher positions uh, under Stalin. But that's why there's that old mentality because they were around when uh, Soviet Union was attacked in '41. So that's why there's this mentality that comes from it because these guys are so old. And you know, he come, Brezhnev obviously was so old and not well that he winds up dying in the early '80s. And then. Andropov that takes over, he also, um, Yuri Andropov basically takes over and he's already sick, right? So he doesn't last long either. But this Operation Ryan you talk about is exactly a direct response to Ronald Reagan rhetoric. And the rhetoric I mean is when Ronald Reagan becomes president. He actually continues something a lot of people don't realize that Jimmy Carter's the one that really starts American military buildup in late 70s. And this stems from the invasion, Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And you have Jimmy Carter gets really upset. He obviously boycott the Olympics. And then at the same time, he starts to spend a lot more money on American military. However, that is nothing in comparison to what Ronald Reagan does. As you mentioned, Tom, like Ronald Reagan comes in with a very aggressive foreign policy, Um, you wind up cutting a lot of social programs to upkeep this this military buildup of the United States. And through this military buildup of the United States, he also speaks out against Soviet Union. And at one particular speech to some Christian organization, he winds up calling the Soviet Union an evil empire. evil empire, exactly. Right, and even even like Nancy Reagan was like, maybe you shouldn't say that. And he's like, no, no, I feel like I need to say this. And he calls them out as evil. And he goes, you know, if anybody ever has any doubt this is the good fighting the evil, and they are evil. And this kind of rhetoric really freaks out um, Brezhnev, who is current general secretary, or the you know the dictator yeah. of um, of Soviet Union, and yeah. his KGB chairman Andropov. Absolutely, and, it's going to
1: freak you out. The other side's calling you evil. You know that you're the bad guy. We're the good guy. And building up military to be the just war. Like they they're used to hearing this. Last time they heard stuff like this was with what happens going on with the Nazis. Yes. Like what happened when? Then they get invaded, and during this time too, as all this is going on, we are the United States is, are flying. This was crazy, the, right? Yeah, we're flying uh, fighter jets and we're flying bombers right up to Soviet airspace, setting off all their alarms and turning away at the last possible second. We did this multiple times, like a week, and we would also send in. We sent over forty of our. Um, New like stealth, not planes, battleships. But stealth, uh, it's the battleships yeah, like some well, battleship airplanes, yeah, uh, submarines right off their coast. We were just seeing how close we could get, and we basically showed. And then we would like just surface, like, Oh, hi, we're here. And it was like right off the coast of like, um, the Col- Alaska, Kola right? Peninsula, yeah, right by yeah. Right the Kermit Peninsula. And then the Soviets, like, what is going on? Like, why are they getting so close? And we not, we don't know they're getting so close, so they're seeing kind of this gap in technology. Also, they're like, How, how do the how does NATO have this technology? We don't, we can't find these ships these ships are getting super close to us these planes are flying right at us setting off all the alarms and it was basically seeing you know what they could do and they were doing this all the way also um in fleet x 83 i'm sure you saw this yeah what was gone where we had a bunch of um f-14 tomcats right from top gun that basically flew over um soviet military bases and this and then they just you know simulating a bombing run and the Soviets like you can't do that and it also showed the Soviets that like they basically had no defense for this
0: and the reason we're doing this really is because we're trying to yeah we're not just doing this to piss off the Soviets we're doing no. this because we actually want to get a reaction from the Soviets because we want to see their reaction capabilities that's this is all this was about
1: yeah, that stuff exactly
0: exactly like we wanted if to we see had to, all right, what would we do? What would, yeah, if this is happening, if we're attacking, how quickly will they respond? And when they do respond, what would be the first thing that, that they would be going for? What would be the first movements they would do? This was really just us compiling a dossier, some of some form of a file, really, on what what, what, what would be the response of the Soviet Union to any attack? Right, you're poking them, I know, man. absolutely.
1: Like, do you really want to see, oh, what would they do if we, what if they decided? I don't know. And looking back, it's like, they might just decide, forget it. <laughs> there, This is a nuclear attack. You know, which is what almost yeah. happened. So that's what's going through the Soviets' mind during this time, and it says, "I don't know it's it's you're playing with fire." Well, that, a going bit. back
0: to the Ryan thing, like you mentioned, Operation Ryan is basically the Soviet Union is saying, "All right, we need to listen in on all possible radio between the Allies, right? Not the Allies anymore, but NATO powers. Like we are going to try to find out what they're up to, what they're talking about, and you know, the Soviet Union really kind of creates this. Is um, the actual um, headquarters? I think it's in East Germany." Or maybe even in East Berlin in West Germany. But the idea here is to try to, you know, get as much intel as possible as to like what are the Americans and the British doing? Like we need to figure this out because something's not right. Something's not something's not going right. And I think that this idea of the fleet X eighty three where we're flying really, really close and then flying away to see how they react. And I think that directly leads to the Korean Airlines flight, right? Yeah, oh, Korean five. Airlines flight um yeah, 7 go ahead
1: um which again could be a podcast or something show this podcast out out there about it on september 1st 1983 the korean airlines flight 007 was shot down by a soviet interceptor it flew over the sea of japan which was flying over over the uh, morin island and it was flying over prohibited soviet airspace and they shot it down and it killed all 269 passengers on board one of which was a um sitting member of the of the House of Representatives from Georgia, yep. Larry McDonald, he was killed. And he happened to also be the president of the anti-communist, of the anti-communist society. So there was yep. kind of conspiracy theory, you know, that why they shoot this one down. They knew that guy was on it. Um, so that's a whole big thing. They thought it was a bomber. So they shot – that's, that's what it Soviets, was, yeah. That's a Soviet yeah. uh, line anyway.
0: Yeah, they were – they're so paranoid at that point because of United yeah. States exercises and the rhetoric coming from Reagan camp that, you know, they see something flying that size that could be a bomber, you know, flying – Towards, you know, into their airspace. So they shot it down. Mm-hmm. Like they they were, you know, for all they well, know. They said they
1: would shoot anything down over that airspace. Yeah. But apparently other flights did fly through there. Other time it was one of those, like, yeah, it was prohibited airspace, but there were flights that flew through it or very close to it. And there's some debate: did it really fly in, or how long was it in this prohibited airspace? But yeah, again, that's just shows their paranoia. They were just so worried about that. They didn't want that first strike to happen to them. Actually, they were, And they were so convinced that the Americans would attack first.
0: Yep. What essentially happens around this time and what really adds to that fear that Americans might attack first and that Americans are escalating the nuclear war as opposed to de-escalating it. So Yuri Andropov becomes the general secretary or the dictator after the death of Brezhnev in November of 1982. And he starts criticizing Reagan specifically for one thing, and that is Ronald Reagan in 83... Um, early eighty-three winds up announcing this really ambitious and quite controversial you know, strategy called the Strategic Defense Initiative, also commonly known as Star Wars. Yeah, Star yep.
1: Wars, there you go.
0: I mean, think about it though. Ironically, in nineteen eighty-three, at that time, Return of the Jedi was in a movie. So,
1: well, apparently that's what it was. Um, Reagan watched like Return of him? the Jedi, and it inspired him. That's like that's been like that's come out. He he was watched Return of the Jedi. He was like, I want that. Like, we need those things. And they're like, Sir, it's a movie. He's like. How do you know it's I mean, <laughs> search movies? Search it. he, movies. He's like he's like I want it, so that's we're going to do that. And the Soviets never knew that. Like people said, this technology is not available. Well, you want to you
0: describe do... what the technology is? Uh, that, well, technology the, you know, was
1: basically satellites in outer space that had missiles on them that was going to shoot down other missiles and make like a shield. You can I remember show, googling the videos. They actually went on TV and like explained it to like the American people, like cartoons like, of like, it, cartoons yeah. what it was going to be it looked like a video game, and they were showing them what it was. And people are saying, listen, this technology is decades away from what we can possibly do. And Reagan's like, no, build it. Yep. So do it. I mean, it had lasers
0: think, on it, laser yeah, guided. Like, yeah, shoot and It was
1: basically going to be any missiles that, that tried to hit us, the United States, was going to be shot down. What Reagan was doing, um, what made the Soviets so scared, is that he was taking a nuclear war, which was always decided like mad, right? Mutual assured destruction. No one can win it. To now trying to actually win a nuclear war. That's what, that's and by taking it into
0: space, that was the like key. Taking it into he's space, like how, it
1: into so, space. Yeah, exactly? So he's gonna he's gonna try to win a nuclear war now. So he's trying to win a nuclear war. Then he's not gonna be afraid to start a nuclear war. And that's what his soldiers are doing. So even though Star Wars was never really gonna happen, although there are conspiracy theorists so that say no, it, it they did build it and it is there. All the other stuff is that basically. The Soviets think that it, that we were building it, and, and so they're spending all this money trying to keep up with it and trying to, you know, match what they think we're building. And they're like, we don't know how to do it because no one knew how to do it at the time. Yeah, but it's just one of those things. So this is adding that paranoia, and then it what led to um, the eighty-three nuclear incident, right, with uh, Slanislav Petrov. Right, you saw yep. this one. This yep, was yep, the one yep. that I, I remember hearing about. They've recently, he actually got a, uh, he passed away pretty recently, this man, um, but they said he's basically saved the free world because um, they had a new early warning system that they were building. The Soviets and did. The Soviets. Yep. And it reported a single ballistic missile launch from the US ter- territory. And he actually had authorization that he could launch his nuclear missiles from where he was, that they, they yep. were, Soviets were different. Like They could launch these smaller ones, but still devastating on the nuclear weapons at any time if they if they detected a uh, launch into Soviet union territory and he's like, this has to be an error. He's only because he was like, it did not function before. And he's, and he basically said, why would just one missile come from the U S there had to be thousands, not one. Yeah. But then more came, sense. right? Well then four more did come. So there yeah. people were saying, you have to launch, you have to launch. And he's like, no, uh, this, it still doesn't make sense. And later he just said, he just couldn't bring himself to do it. Like if he was yeah. wrong, Then he was wrong, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. And it was later revealed that the system did malfunction because of um, how the sunlight bounced off weather, some clouds and some, yeah, the clouds and stuff like that. Some other satellites, but all of this is happening within just a few months of each other. Right. And then Abel Archer comes and then the Soviets are like, actually this has to be it. So they're, they're they're on high alert. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And one last thing before the Abel Archer comes into play, this, this actual um, military exercise there's one other thing that really freaks them out, the Soviets out, is the U.S. Pershing-2 missiles. Basically, it's a brand new missile that could be moved on trucks. So that's the beauty of it. It could be deployed from anywhere. It's intermediate-range Pershing-2 missile. It was hard to detect because you could move it all the time, so you didn't really know where they were. They were small enough to be moved and hidden. And essentially, what it could do is they were capable of destroying any Soviet hard targets, including underground missile silos, and they could enter if they had them anywhere which they did the united states did have them in western europe they could enter um soviet airspace and actually hit targets in soviet union as far in as moscow within four to six minutes so that's also the fear here like okay if anything's coming there's only four to six minutes basically the soviets want the u.s to remove these Pershing missiles from um this new technology which is actually the, the persian missiles were so ahead of their time i mean they were like to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Uh, Not laser guided, but they were like GPS guided. They could correct themselves if there was something in front of it. Yeah,
1: they they
0: could like move around it. I mean, it was way accurate. it, It was an
1: accurate nuclear weapon too. Yeah. like that's what it was. So that that and freaked the, them out, absolutely. Yeah, freaked them out more.
0: So let's let's get into this exercise, Able Archer eighty three, and kind of talk about a scenario and and like you know what actually happened here. So you you want to take it?
1: Yeah. So it's basically again the the UNAT, NATO right, the North Atlantic Treaty yep. Organization, um, which you have been hearing a lot about in the news. They've always done this, right? They've done these Able Archer activities happen. Be the one eighty three, where it's a hypothetical lead up to. A war with the Soviet Union, nuclear warfare. What was a little bit different about this one is you had the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff in D.C. and the British Ministry of Defense in London. And it was a war game, right, With intended Mm -hmm. to be the blue forces of NATO going against the orange forces of the Warsaw Pact. And it involved a lot of proxy conflicts, like things going on in Syria, Yemen, Iran escalating. So they created a whole scenario to basically explain what was going on.
0: The scenario called for the Orange Forces, or hypothetical opponent, right? Um, yeah. Supposedly, it, it essentially invades Yugoslavia. I think that was the yeah. first start of it. So that's yeah. the thing. It's like then the Orange Force, aka Soviet Union, um, on November fourth, it invades Yugoslavia. Then on the sixth, it launches chemical weapons. Uh, by the end of the day, they start using chemical weapons against other Western powers, um, and all these these things are kind of taking place supposedly before the U.S. strike is. Commencing.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to examine the transitioning from conventional to nuclear weapons. Yep. Like that's what it's supposed to like you know see, and because of the other side consistently using, like you said, chemical weapons or yep. whatever. And it's in the whole time this is going on, the Soviets are listening to a lot of these transmissions. Not all of it, but some of it. And they're they're basically seeing this as like in part of a nuclear attack. They are. Yeah. NATO was simulating a nuclear attack.
0: There was also some of the Grenada. Remember, there was like an issue with Grenada when we took over Grenada. And because of that, the United States was speaking a lot back and forth, a lot of jitter, um, radio jitter between um, U.S. and United Kingdom. And they basically misinterpreted that, that the United Kingdom and the United States are planning something. It was a U.S.-led invasion in October of 83. So we haven't invaded it yet. But because we're discussing this invasion that has nothing to do with any of this right now, the Soviets misinterpreted that. Like, okay, they're going. There's a lot of radio silence between them, but they're also going back and forth. Like, they're definitely planning something. Something's really happening here. But it, and, it, and, and know, we even
1: got. mocked, went to DEFCON 1. To what else the think? One. We went all the way down to Defcon One. Just so De- you guys know, one. Defcon
0: Two yeah. is the closest we've gotten um, to yeah. nuclear warfare because it goes. That counts- was Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. Yeah, this went all the way to Defcon, but also this included real politicians and like, that exactly. were like their
1: names and stuff that they were they were exactly. acting it out. They were acting out this war game. They were moving, you know, and they were moving some military personnel and stuff like that. So all this was going on, and the Soviets are seeing all this and they're freaking out. Uh, this is an escalation. The problem was it, it was not real at least yeah. not in the not in the West was like, you know, we weren't actually doing this. this was just a war game, but they never told the Soviets and the Soviets were so paranoid for everything else that was going on. They're like, This is it, this is that moment. This is what the ninety nine red balloons, you know, this is it. It's happening.
0: Yeah. I mean at one point even like British uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, like she took like part in this in yeah. the exercise, she participated, like pretending like things are happening. Uh, luckily enough, though, like Reagan was supposed to do it as well as Bush, H.W. Bush, and then um, last moment they're like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, Robert McFarlane, um, who was the National Security Advisor, when he got close, he goes, maybe, maybe you guys shouldn't participate. This might make it too legit, thing, but it was. It other was to too yeah, legit.
1: Matt, I'm sure if Reagan, if Reagan did it, I would've probably would've, they probably would have. They probably would have went because they already believed yeah. that about Reagan. So if then he would have started to partake in it. It was. It would have just led to it. I, I don't know probably. Luckily it didn't happen. But like the Soviets are responding. this is not just a one day thing. This is lasting for over five days. This scenario will eventually come like with NATO resorting to the use of nuclear weapons. And then the Soviets are watching this, being like, what's going on? So so they're mobilizing their forces in response. And that's what they're doing. And like you said before, they're they're going on they're putting all their forces on high alert. They are getting bombers oh, yeah, on, yeah. Ho- on nuclear weapons are being yeah. loaded onto bombers in Poland. Like they are ready for this reaction. They believe that this has happened. That's it.
0: The CIA winds up reporting later on, like, again, this doesn't get really come out until 2015, but that you had the military district in Czechoslovakia, but as well, Poland and East Germany, basically placed on high alert, right? You have ready nuclear strike forces. The memorandum went as close as saying that the fourth air army of the Soviet union bombers of the soviet forces in germany right are literally placed on 30 minute alert with loaded and ready to be dropped nuclear weapons at the same time they also had the icbms nuclear ICBM silos were also readied um and those are very difficult for the us to detect like those things are underground throughout soviet union so we wouldn't even find them they were like a button away but the thing is that then we start actually so now cia and the united states starts picking this up we start actually picking up our own intel that like wait hold on like soviets are hardcore arming and ready to go here and then at that point you know thank goodness the assistant chief of the u.s air force in europe uh, leonard per- perutz perutz i think he basically is credited with a decision not to place NATO forces on increased alert. Even though Soviet readiness got so close, the idea is like, wait, should we respond to it? So Peruse informs his superior, who's General Billy M. Minter, of this unusual activity that's happening in the Eastern Bloc, saying like, uh, we're about to actually get attacked by the Soviets. However, he suggests, Perus suggests that, you know what, why don't we just wait until the end of this exercise? It's almost over. We have like a day left. And... Maybe this behavior is caused by the exercise. Maybe the Soviets are actually, not silly is a terrible word, but paranoid enough to think this is real. So he actually purposely convinces the generals to not build up the
1: actual nuclear strike. So In the actual war game, right? Peru actually advised against responding to the Warsaw Pact military activity. So you just yep. said, we're not going to do it. And then, that, and then that ended the exercise on November 11th, 1983. So once they end that, that's crazy. And it's really crazy. I'm just thinking this now. November 11th is was also what?
0: Well, I don't know. What was November 11th? It's Armistice Day.
1: That's Armistice Day from World War One. Oh, November 11th at 11. So the idea of that, you know, the whole point was to you know, the war to end all wars. And now it's also the, <laughs> the end of the war that almost did end everything, right? This, like, simulation. But there is a lot of um, – we mentioned before historians and others that say, listen, there was too many other things, constituency plans in to make sure this didn't happen, but then there's others, right? Like, listen, um, there's a whole bunch of constituency plans for responding to nuclear attack, but everything was going to happen so fast that you have to wonder, like, could reason really be applied in such a crisis? You have like six minutes to decide how to respond to a blip on the radar screen or, and then go and unleash all your nuclear weapons. Like how could you apply reason? in time like that so like you got six minutes to decide. like what are you going to do yeah if you really truly believe that bomb that those weapons are coming it's not like you can call and be like hey did you really send these or not like this is a lot going on a lot of panic and a lot of paranoia and um apparently they did tell reagan about this later on like two years later they kind of explained it to him how close it was and apparently he found it very sobering because he was kind of like, well, why would they think we were actually going to attack them? And they're like, well, sir, you've been like saying all this stuff. You call them the evil empire. Yeah. Like, they're obviously, they're going to think that we're, we're enemies. Ronald Reagan
0: was brought into a, a prior training a year before where they actually brought him into a situation room. And they put him on the first of all, they put him on a special airplane that's supposed to stay in the air for like 70 something hours without refueling. It's like they, you know, the United States got ready for a nuclear attack where in case anything happens, Ronald Reagan could be put on this command center that would basically like, you know, fly around the United States that's being destroyed underneath by atomic weapons. And and they kind of put him through that exercise. And on this plane um, that has this like base, you know, of operations on it, they kind of showed him the scenario of they showed him a map, like a basically like a computer map. And they're like, all right, it's starting. And then he just wound up seeing red dots and it would get bigger, all major cities, starting with Washington, D.C. And they're like, all right, what do we do next? Uh, You know, Mr. President, what do we do next? And before like, as he's making decisions, there's another red dot, another red dot. And like all of the United States is like, it was almost like a, like a game he couldn't win. So he was sitting there watching and they were trying to figure out if he could make these decisions. Meanwhile, you have literally in front of him, this interactive map that's just turning red, 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 red. And and that was very sombering for him that, that he was like, Whoa, like this is this is this is like crazy. And that scared him a little bit, which but that was even before this. So it almost makes me think like you would think he would calm down a little bit, but he didn't, obviously. But from this point forward, I think this really sobered him up a little bit. You know, if you look at his foreign policy in his second term, because this is all happening during his first term, in his second term, he kinda takes his foot off the pedal a little bit. You know, he's more like, you know, like once Gorbachev becomes the Soviet general secretary, right? Um, You know, Gorbachev obviously is much more open to the West. He knows that the Soviet Union's economy is completely in disarray. They're producing less than half of what they were producing Soviet Union in nineteen fifties. For a society where like two thirds were agricultural and more than half the people couldn't afford food, it could just you know, looking around, you realize that Soviet Union was imploding. Like it was, it was falling apart. And you know, Ronald Reagan kind of takes his foot off the gas here, the pedal, and starts to really go to Mikhail Gorbachev and, and say, all right, let's figure this out. Let's let's talk peace. But by then, America's really talking peace from a position of strength,
1: which, strength, as we they, mentioned... They, they, they had to glass off all that stuff. They had to basically, you know... Yeah. They had to change. They couldn't compete. And part of it was because they were trying to... Not only the war in Afghanistan, which I know we've talked about before in the podcast, but also just trying to keep up with capitalism. You can say whatever you yeah. want about it, a communist society cannot keep up with a capitalist society it's a, like as far as like economically it's just not it's just doesn't work
0: this wasn't really declassified so the national security archive right it had this declassified because of the freedom of information act that was requested yeah. in 2015 and it really wasn't until like u.s department didn't fully declassify this until february of 2021 yeah uh, that's when they figured out now.
1: that um, that's when they actually acknowledged that nuclear warheads were loaded onto bombers Yep. That's how close they got. Like they, they, The Soviets really believed something was happening. You can say maybe they weren't going to launch, but they were getting prepared just in case. You don't put the bombers you know, on high alert with, with loaded nuclear warheads ready to go unless you believe something has happened. And there's been a lot of lessons learned from this. There's a lot of um, basically, the, like I said, the Americans and the Russians were like, all right, we have to have a bit more communications. We can't be calling each other evil. We can't look at each other that way because that's going to just rise to tension so much. Like You're just waiting for something to happen then. And you don't think the 80s is really a height of the Cold War, but they really it, it boiled up big time in the 80s, without a doubt, especially yeah. the early 80s. Leonard
0: Perutz, like, I mean, he's he's getting, I hope I'm saying his name right, right? Perutz, would you say? Per- yeah, Perutz, per- yeah. Perutz. You know, the Air Force Assistant Chief of Staff for Intelligence. I mean, he, he really should get a lot of credit, you know, just like his Soviet counterpart a few years back for... You know, it's almost like you have a right man at the right time in the right position making the right choice. Where he could have easily said, "All right, uh, Russians are building up; we need to respond." Meanwhile, he goes, "No, let's just stop the training and see what happens." Like again, cooler heads will prevail
1: yeah but he's he, he kind of believes that maybe we are setting him off a little bit. If that's the case, that's not what this is about. You know, let's yeah. not. He's decided let's not poke the bear anymore.
0: Basically. Eleven thousand warheads, Soviet warheads, were put on maximum combat alert within two days
1: it's just one of those exercises like you said that almost leads to world war three and you're talking about it now like when putin's talking about you know if this keeps up with, with the united states you know or any of the allies um they, what do you say it's going to have consequence like you've never seen before i So people are worried about what's going on there although they're saying like listen there's no way putin's going to use nuclear weapons in ukraine yeah. So it's just it's just like rising it's just like that rising tension there. Like the US is selling military aid to Ukraine. You know, they're not gonna send troops on the ground there, but it's also just one of those things where could something be misinterpreted the wrong way. And like you don't want World War III to start no matter what, but you definitely don't want it to start off like a miscommunication.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's
1: now. There are a lot of open channels now, even backdoor channels that we are not even aware of, where like individual generals and stuff are communicating with one another. I know that's something that happens a lot because they want to avoid these are lessons that they've learned from this that there has to be constant communication between nuclear powers whenever there's some sort of war and you know, all the war games after are kind of like kind of like announced like they know it's going to happen like a lot of times when, they, when we anger North Korea when we're doing different war games and stuff like that they they know about it like we're going to be conducting maneuvers here or vice versa because they just want to make sure that nothing is interpreted the wrong way.
0: It's funny because you know just as we we're talking, I just googled Putin nuclear weapon right and top stories poland suggests hosting u.s nuclear weapons amid growing fears of putin's use of nuclear weapons uh if putin opinion new york times if putin uses nuclear weapons how should we how should a world respond ukraine leader says putin wouldn't survive nuclear attack if putin goes nuclear the u.s should avoid joining the war says the washington post this is like a live thing you know yeah, this use... it's,
1: it's a trend people are really legitly worried and i guess whenever nuclear power gets into a conflict like this and he does like to talk that way. You know, like it's one thing when, like, you know, Kim, Kim Jong un and stuff talks that way. You know, he does have some nuclear capabilities. It's like a little bit different than when, like, a true nuclear power is talking about him. So crazy. This, Russia has more nuclear weapons they believe than the United States has at this Yeah, point. we did a podcast on it, remember? Because yeah. they, they they kept so many. They're, they're not sure how many are actually operational. But again, how many do you need? Right? A little you know don't, don't, it's again I think they're the ones that he they're saying he might use on um, Ukraine that the arguing I'm not I'm not saying he's going to use it are more tactical which are smaller but again what's a small nuclear weapon you know
0: wow well, it's interesting because Putin keeps on even today reminding the world that the only only the United States so far in the world has uh, used, has used nuclear weapons in battle Hiroshima and Nagasaki and he keeps on saying like you you know you guys are judging me but like look in a mirror. It's you know, it's a, it's definitely something to think about. That's for sure. Well, hopefully, you we won't have to make a podcast about nuclear weapons being used anytime soon. Well, no. Um,
1: then, then we're not making any more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. We're,
0: we're gonna do the whole John Connor thing, you know, and then uh, try to fight with the resistance. But anyway. I think that pretty much concludes our podcast
1: on Abel eighty three. I think this yeah. was a fun and one. You and to I look it up if you more. If you're curious about it, there's a lot of yeah. st- stuff out there. A lot of stuff that's still coming out about it, so it's an interesting topic, and it's a one of those one. It's, it just makes you think. If Absolutely. It wasn't that long ago? Wasn't that long ago? Yep.
0: yep. And uh, and hopefully, like I said, uh, and like you said, you know, this because this is something that hasn't been talked about, but it probably should be talked about a lot more. Absolutely. So, with that in mind, thank you everyone so much for tuning in once more to our podcast. We really appreciate it. If you need to find us, you could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, or reactions, please feel free to shoot us an email. So thank you so much, guys. Have an awesome week. Stay safe, everybody. everyone enjoyed our podcast and if you would like to email us you can do so at history teachers podcast at gmail.com mad magazine advertising mascots
1: b movie posters
0: and cartoons Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at Two Designers walk into a And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.